Hello, listeners, and welcome to Shattering Superstructure, a podcast that breaks through the majority opinion and mainstream culture. I'm your host, Alex Arabian, a journalist who explores the value of art for the sake of art. In these interviews, in which I'll have occasional co-hosts, there will be no scoops, no juicy bits, and no hidden agendas, just a safe space in which one can think as one wishes and say what one thinks. And on that note, let's get to the episode. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Shattering Superstructure, listeners. On this episode, we have the multifaceted Zach Braff, a director, actor, writer, and producer, discussing his new film, A Good Person, the impetus behind the film, casting its characters, and a little bit about the Apple TV Plus show Shrinking. Uh, He directed episode 8, and he talks about what's in store next for him, which includes more shrinking because it got renewed for a season two and a new movie which he hopes will be catered towards florence Pugh again as a good person was and if it's anything like a good person then it's going to be a fantastic film i'm excited to see what zach does next without further ado here's the episode thanks so much listeners Welcome to uh, Shattering Superstructure, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. Oh, yeah. thank you. So anyways, uh, fantastic film. Thank Good you. Good person. Yeah, it, it was, uh, man, it, it shattered me to pieces, but you, you, you built the pieces back together by the end. And um, I love it when movies do that. Yeah, me too. That's my favorite kind of movie. I like to, I like to be broken down. I like, to, I like to cry in the theater. I like to hold my heart. There's something about... What I love about art, being painful, if you will, is that it, it allows you to tap into your own emotions of things that have happened to you, but this isn't your particular, this isn't your story. Right. So you can experience those emotions, but you're not, and, and tap into your own experience, but it isn't so painful because it's somebody else's story. You know what I mean? It makes right. it accessible. And there's just a wonderful cathartic release, I feel, with with films that are emotional and and then of course i i a pet peeve of mine is when they don't give you a release you know if it's, it's sustaining such an intense note for too long so i always try and pepper in humor uh almost like a steam engine letting off steam because yeah. i i feel like that makes a, a story like this more digestible yeah yeah and i i love i feel like your your one of your sweet spots is like happy sad uh, or sad happy like that genre if if it even exists you know i love that and you, you infuse a lot of of humor in this script which i think is you know essential like you were saying to uh to not only have that release at the end but to have these moments of levity um intertwined mm-hmm. so and i think really one of the, um, I guess, uh, characters, uh, Morgan's, Morgan Freeman's character was just so uh, hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's a really funny guy. Yeah, <laughs> he is. The, the character is a quick-witted, funny person. 
Yeah, and so and also I found in my life when you go through these horrible times that you're so happy to have someone make you laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean, you're so grateful someone says something fun. Yeah, because you just you know you can be in the most intense situation. I've been in like ICU waiting rooms and someone says something like kind of funny and you just all start belly laughing and and tear you know happy tears coming out not happy tears but tears from laughter coming out. Yeah. Because you were so dying for that release, right. so I thought, well, if you're going to make a film about this this stuff, you should. And then and then people I know in, in the program in AA said to me like, some of the hardest laughs I've ever had have been smoking a cigarette out from an AA meeting, telling stories. Right. So I wanted to infuse it with humor, so so it wasn't um, so it was digestible, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and you you did a great job. So so what was the the impetus of this this story and this script? A couple things. My own, my own loss. I lost my sister um, to an aneurysm. I lost my father to cancer, and then, and then the pandemic started. I'm so and, sorry. To hear and that. then my friend, I, I had a, my friend living with me. Uh, he was twenty. Oh, sorry, he was forty-one years old, and he got COVID and died. Oh my God. Um, and he was survived by his wife and baby, and all of these things were happening, and I. And it was and it was locked down, and I was staring at the blinking cursor at my laptop, and I was just like, "It's time to write what comes out of me." And this story about about grief and standing up after grief is is what came out of me. I also intended to write it for Florence. We were dating at the time, and I I'm in awe of her talent, and I wanted to write something for her. And um, and so that was kind of those ingredients. Um, seeing people wrestle with addiction. Uh, the opioid epidemic. Um, those were sort of the, the, the basic ingredients. Of, and then Jersey, which is a character which I like writing about my hometown. Um, those were kind of the, the jumping off points. Got it. Yeah, no, it's... First of all, sorry to hear about the, those losses. That is, um, that's brutal. Um, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've Myself, I've struggled with addiction, and my brother is is recovering. But I think that even if people haven't experienced that in their lives, it's still a very accessible story, um, which is difficult to accomplish. Um, this is a very, a very character-driven film. Um, you know, do you find that damaged? Uh, people or people experiences uh, experiencing crises uh, make for a more, I guess, compelling examination of uh, the human condition. What is it? Absolutely, because I think that's well said. Because I think the extreme, which is what this movie is, mm -hmm. um, helps helps everyone see their own version of what that is in their own life. Mm -hmm. The extreme can can then encompass everything below it. So you might, uh, hopefully, you haven't been involved in vehicular manslaughter, uh, uh, although some people obviously listening may, may have been. But you, but you can also look at insert your own personal lowest point thing. Yeah. You know whether that's uh, a divorce or finding your partner cheating on you or recovery or or uh, losing your job, whatever the thing is that's brought you to your knees. I, I hope that audiences will will see themselves in the story. And 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 say I I can relate I have been there and my journey to stand back up again was like this in these ways 
this movie is about uh, two strangers who who kind of save each other from themselves. And and I've often found in times of grief, sometimes the person that shows up most is someone you didn't even really know that well. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, certainly in AA, I, I found from from talking to people like you know, people get sponsors that save their lives, and they never would have met that person had they not finally gone to, to a program. Yeah. So I wanted to write about that, and I and I and I hope by, by making it you know such a uh, intense thing that people will find themselves somewhere along the the scale of of, of that pain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think that deep down we're we're all damaged, and we're all trying to repair, like you said various losses um, in, in different ways. So that, that's a great way to put it. Um, and I think the pandemic too is, is, is a character in this, even though it's not literally. Yeah. But, but we all haven't really, I don't want to speak for us all, I haven't really even processed the, the pandemic itself yet. It's yeah. like this giant PTSD thing that we're all kind of like, okay, now we're just going to move on. And I, I do think that's going to have reverberations uh, through through the planet um, in the years to come that we that we that we that we can't see yet. Yeah, I agree. I still feel like it's going on, but everyone just kind of forgot about it. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like with, with, the, with those blinders they put on the racehorses. We're just yeah. kind of like, okay, now we kind of work from home and. Um, you know, they, there's already news that there's other ones coming down the the, pat, the pike. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's it's madness. Uh, to quote uh, River Kwai. Uh, <laughs> but um, so you talked about writing this Florence Pugh. Uh, how how did you cast M Morgan Freeman then? Um, when when did he come into the picture? Well, I had written it for Florence, and then. We were looking, I wanted it to be some sort of great legend, um, you know, senior. Uh, I, I had a couple ideas in my head. I never thought Morgan, Morgan wasn't really a feasible idea for me because I, I know Morgan. I had made a studio uh, sort of heist comedy with him called Going In Style. All right. And um, so I knew him, but that was a big studio movie. Morgan doesn't usually do indies, and he certainly doesn't attach himself to indies that don't have, that aren't set up yet. That's just not his modus operandi. Um, and so I sent it to him thinking like, I'll take a Hail Mary pass because how amazing would it be? I just had the image of the diner and like a profile shot of the diner. And I was like, I just imagine Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman in a diner booth. Like, I want to see whatever that is. <laughs> I was just interested already. Yeah. And, um, so I sent it to him and like a day later he called me and, uh, and I picked up the phone and, and didn't even say hello. He just said, "I see myself on every page of the script." Wow. And I was like, "Does that mean yes?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Yes, I'm with you." So then I had Morgan attached and um, Florence attached, and and then we um, set out to get uh, financing. And, and and we didn't get a lot of money, but we got enough to make the movie in 26 days. And um, wow. and so we shot the whole thing in 26 days in, in North Jersey. Wow. That's a that's a quick shoot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember seeing the featurette, and you know, Morgan had nothing 
but amazing things to say about both you and the script. Yeah. I think even when he was talking about the table read, he was just like, yeah, like it was incredible. <laughs> it was a really cool moment. He, I'll tell you what the specific moment was. And I'm getting, I'm embarrassed to say I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But <laughs> we were at, we were at a table read, and our cast was so good, and a couple people couldn't be in the room because they just weren't in town, but they were on a Zoom uh, monitor. And Alex Wolf was one of them, who you know who plays the guy in the box. Yeah. And he has this incredible scene with Florence, and his performance for a, for one scene is just amazing. And a couple times throughout the table read, I was sitting next to Morgan. He kept going like, <laughs> like that, and uh, I was like, I was like, I thought this is good, but seeing Morgan think it's good, it's a really good feeling. And then and one, then one of the one of the specific times was Alex Wolf's scene because you know, obviously Morgan's not in the scene, so he was watching. You know, Florence is where you are, and, and Alex was on the monitor, and he was like riveted. <laughs> and it was so cool to see like this legend having this reaction to my writing and to Alex and Florence's acting. It was yeah. really, it was cool. Oh my and he God. was like, you know, Morgan didn't really know Florence's work. He he knew who she, she was, you know, but he, he he knew that she was an up and coming ingenue. But I think he wasn't, you know, he's not. I don't think he'd seen Midsummer or or some of the, you know the things that she had that had broken through. Maybe he'd seen Little Women. I don't know. But it was so fun watching him take in Florence. You know, because when he was really finally acting with her, just watching him be like, fuck, hell. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, like goat meets goat. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, so you seem to, to be, uh, whether you're uh, directing a set or acting in, in, in someone else's uh, project, that, you know, you create a community. Um, and you create lasting uh, friendships, you know. I mean, uh, Donald Faison is, is one of them. You guys have a podcast yeah. together, right? Yeah, my so, best friend, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, is it more important to you to, to foster a community on set, or do you think that can get in the way of, like, shooting, especially with, like, a quick schedule like this? No, no, you need it. I mean, that's a great question, and the answer is the reason... I do that is because what ha the magic that happened on Scrubs over nine years was that we created such a bond yeah. and such a community that most actors never get to experience because whose shows go nine years, it's very rare, mm -hmm. that there was such safety and such freedom to do anything. Yeah. So you had, it was such a fucking tightrope with a safety net. You could do anything. And sometimes it would be, even for Scrubs, it would be too bad shit. But you had such freedom to experiment, and there was such a culture, thanks to Bill Lawrence, of like, go for it. Go fucking crazy. Improv that insane thing. You want to scream eagle on the back of Brendan Fraser's back? Do it. Like, who the fuck knows if we'll use it? <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so that was incredible. And that was a great education for me. Like, how do you do that quickly? Because you're not going to have nine years. Right. But how do you quickly, in a 26-day shoot, create an environment yeah. where, like, you are safe? Right. As an actor, it's very vulnerable to be an actor, especially. I'm not even going to say especially in drama because comedy is equally as vulnerable. It's it's a very vulnerable space, and so the best thing a, a director can do, in my opinion, as an actor director, is very quickly manifest a, an environment that is completely safe. Nothing mm -hmm. you do is wrong. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to steer you, and of course, don't worry, I'm going to edit it together and choose the best things. Right. 
but I don't want you to ever feel like any choice you make is wrong because we're just here to, tr to figure it out together. Yeah. And so I think that's crucial to, to you know, even when I, when I just directed the show Shrinking, and I, in that case, I'm coming on on episode eight. Yeah. And and I, I don't know I, I don't know what the heck's happened episode one through seven, right. but I know on on the six days that I'm shooting it, there's right. going to be a really amazing environment of of that. And I think that, that really, as actors, the actors really react to that. I love it because they there's something that shifts in the in the environment. Wow, yeah. And speaking of of shrinking, I literally on the way to this just found out that that you had um, directed episode eight. And uh, had you seen it? Yeah. And so I. First of all, it's incredible to be a part of a, a show like like that. Um, yeah. And do you find it, it easier to direct your something that you've created from the, the ground up or just hopping aboard someone else's shit? Well, hopping like, aboard is way easier because you don't have you have a fraction of the stress. I mean, right. writing, directing, producing your own movie is, I mean, I literally got shingles. Uh, it is the most <laughs> stressful <laughs> thing in the world. Um, it's very, very stressful. Um, you know, directing a, a, a show for Apple is so, and I did Lasso as well, it's, it's so fun because um, you get to work with these incredible people and, and you get these really brilliant scripts, um, but you only have the stress of deliberate, you know, trying to make your days, uh, which is film speak for making sure you execute it in what you have in 12 hours, in the 12 hours of a lot of time each day. Right. Um, that's your only real stress. The rest of it is 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 not on me. It's on the showrunner in this case, Bill Lawrence, um, and and everybody else. And also, there's a, obviously it goes without saying there's more money. Um, you know, if you do need overtime or you do miss a scene, it's Apple. Like they're gonna figure it out. It's not like a yeah. little indie where it's like there's no more money. Right. There's no more. And this was a negative pickup, which means that, which means, which literally means. You've made a contract with MGM that says we will, we agree to give you the money when you give us the fucking finished movie. Wow! And so there is no one to call for more money. If you have a COVID shutdown, good luck. That's your problem. Oh, and man. so um, it's incredibly stressful to to, yeah. to make a movie with an 84 year old man in the, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, when 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 him getting COVID could could cripple the whole film. Yeah, that is uh, gut wrenching. Jeez. Um, so, from I, I guess my last question um, would be a two parter. If you um, from from Garden State to a good person, what have you learned? I think as a filmmaker, how have you evolved? And that could be a, a, too broad of a question. Um, no, it's not. But, I um, but also, what's next? Sorry, it's not too broad a question. I think I I, I learned. Um, I was 25 years old when I wrote Garden State. I was so green. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't certainly didn't think anyone was going to see the movie. I thought like my mom and like you know the Temple Choir would see it. I didn't <laughs> think that. Um, <laughs> I didn't think that it would become um, uh, something that so many people responded to. Um, I think with this film, I I learned um, 
to, to I, when I was 25, I thought I had to have all the answers. I thought I had to know everything. I thought all the ideas had to be mine. I thought if someone else had a better idea, um, that, that I was insecure about that and thinking, oh, it's, I suck, I didn't come up with that. Um, you know, getting older has made me way more um, uh, able to uh, delegate things and to, to trust the people I'm working with and to say, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to try and think on it, but can you also help me think on it? Um, and, and also, I think with the screenplay um, being more restrained, I think I was, even though it was a very emotional movie, um, I think I was, um, I was more restrained with uh, with score, with with um, with letting things just be and not pushing too hard. Mm. And what's next is I'm, I'm, well, I'm shrinking up picked up, so I'm going to direct uh, three episodes of season two. And um, I'm going, I'm writing a new movie um, 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 for Florence. Uh, I hope that she'll, I hope she's available because she's quite an in-demand uh, actress. <laughs> and, that's amazing. Uh, and um, so, yeah, that's what's going on. Oh, that's so cool. Um... Yeah, I'm ex I'm so excited. I didn't know Shrinking got picked up. Yeah, uh, so that's yeah, it's great. A huge, it's a huge hit. I don't even think people know. Uh, there's not enough press about what a huge hit. It's a, it's a massive hit for Apple. It really is. So I mean, that's great. They're they're getting you back for three more episodes. Um, by the way, I, I I noticed that you had a tattoo on Instagram. Is this the same, or or what is the inspiration behind this is that? My friend. It's okay. This, your, your thing shut down. I want to make sure it's still shooting. Oh, okay. It looks like it's still on. I just want to right. make sure you didn't lose it. Yeah, we're still. Um, we're still so here. this is uh, this is my friend Nick. Uh, so my friend Nick, who died, I met him while we were doing um, the, the a Broadway show, uh, Bullets Over Broadway. It was the musical version oh, of Woody Allen's movie, and I right. played the John Cusack character, and and uh, he played the Chaz Palminteri character. So this was oh, a moment wow. in the show where there's a big tap dance number. And it was the happiest I ever remember seeing him was tap dancing on Broadway. Um, so I, I, Dr. Wu, who's this incredible tattoo artist, tattooed uh, that on my arm. Oh wow! It's bizarre. You have something very similar. Yeah, this is the actually the album cover for the Elliot Smith self-titled album. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, um, but they 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 look very very similar. Yeah, but, um, that's interesting. And that's a wrap on the episode with Zach Braff. Uh, appreciate you listening to Shattering Superstructure, and I'll see you next time. This is Alex signing out.